So I'm here in my room. I've got my computer turned on in front of me. I've got my microphone. My notepad is open with some notes about my podcast. It's time to rewind. Looks like they're open to the 34th scene of Memento that starts in black and white at 72 minutes and 55 seconds. With Leonard looking at his never answer the phone tattoo before the phone rings again and ends at 73 minutes and 20 seconds, with Leonard asking at the front desk to hold all his calls. Oh, hang, hang on. Who is this? Bubba! It's me, Lisa Leahy, from Rabbit Hole Podcasts. You know me, I co-host a podcast, we call it Between the Scares, where we look at everything that Jason Blum or Blumhouse Productions have put out. Of course, uh, although I prefer to be called Bubba Wheat. And who is this? Yeah, this is Eric Nash from uh, Watchman Minute. Oh, of course. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. So, um, you know, before we get started in today's scene, you know, since, since this is your first time here, I, I do want to ask you, what's what's your history with Memento? Do, do you remember the first time that you saw it? Uh, I don't remember real specifically, but... Um... But, you know, it, it definitely was there uh, just in the, in the couple of years after it initially came out in the theaters. I don't I'm really sure I didn't see it in the theater, but, uh, you know, just uh, on HBO or, or, or some uh, or, or maybe borrowed from the library or, or rented from the old blockbuster. Oh, rest. It's yeah, I mean, and, and from then on, it was just, you know, every easily every couple of years I'd, I'd try to get around to give it another watch and quite often forgetting a lot of what happens. Just just the. <laughs> vague idea of oh yeah it's backwards well that's very appropriate for this kind of character too yeah but you would forget what it was about (laughs) yeah so let's go ahead and and jump straight into the scene you know this scene starts off with another close-up of his tattoo never answer the phone to to kind of remind us where we're at at uh in in this part of the timeline and i do think that it's we did get this kind of interesting parallel between the the color scenes and the black and white scenes and and this this happens you know quite a few times and i i think it's funny because this is where he talks about not being good over the phone and he really has to talk to somebody face to face and we are you know soon to find out that he's not very good face to face either anymore <laughs> not at all and yet he still, you know, talks to people on the phone. At least he is in these these scenes that, you know, you and I have been talking about. So, I mean, he's definitely contradicting himself every chance he gets. Yeah, and I would almost think like with, with his job that's explained throughout, you kind of get a better and better idea kind of what he does. And you, you there's there's these other scenes where you actually see him in, in the past pre-incident, mm-hmm. um, you know, where he's just, his hairstyle is a lot different and he's much more buttoned down. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it seemed like in, the, in that kind of job, he would have been pretty good on the phone, too, besides just in person. And, mm. and you know, so it's, it's it's odd that he doesn't want to talk on the phone, but maybe that makes sense now for a shorter, shorter uh, span of time that, you know, he has to deal with and, and to get a read on people. Yeah, I've, I also really um, I, I really like the this manic energy that he has of him just like kind of pacing around the room and just this, this energy, like him, how he's like leaning on the bed and like, he's not sure what to do mm-hmm. as he's just staring at this phone. 
and it also has the the additional like little light bulb that lights up whenever it rings too to add that visual element to to this phone ringing it's almost got like this emergency kind of quality right like it looks like one of those bubbles in the old time like police movies and stuff you know they pop it on the top and you know it's this it's almost like the classic bat phone yeah it's this urgency you know like answer me answer me answer me and then at the same time like you kind of wonder how focused he is right now because he's just that urgent adrenaline panic and he doesn't know who's on the phone he doesn't know why they're calling him yet he still knows like i shouldn't be answering it and he does probably doesn't know where he is. All he's focused on is that phone. I mean, I can't even imagine what's going through his head. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then, you know, that this is a pretty short scene. We we really just get him like pacing around the the room with the phone ringing, and then he calls the front desk. And I, I do like the the confirmation, not that we expected anybody different, but the fact that it is Bert working the the front desk. Mm-hmm. And he's in room 21, yeah. not 304. <laughs> yeah, so he's on the uh, the ground level here, yep. I, I would imagine. Yep, that key that uh, he gets back from Natalie, you know, it says 304. So you get this, like, you, if you're after a number of watchings, you start paying attention to, okay, which room is he in now? What's he doing there? And, you know, the things start, the details start coming back to you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, in this, in this room, I mean, it, it is it does have the, you know, the, shaving cream can and the and the bag Mm -hmm. you know laid out on it in the same way it is when when burke shows him the first of the two rooms and that that one scene where he has to take him to the second room nope i love that Mm -hmm. (laughs) always get a receipt (laughs) yeah and and i and i do like that it it is a very just very quick um confirmation because it it's like uh uh, you know, he calls the front desk and I, I almost feel like you get just a slight hint of Bert's personality, even though we don't hear his half of the conversation where he does like remind Leonard that it's Bert. And he's like, uh, front desk. Yeah, Bert. So it, it's like it, you kind of you get this impression that, you know, even though Bert knows what's going on, I'm sure at this point he's probably heard it at least once. Mm-hmm. But just the the fact that Bert is still kind of uh, surprised and, you know, he asked him to mention, like, remind him that his name is Bert. Mm-hmm. He has to kind of put that in. And it's like, oh, yeah, Bert. I can only imagine what it's like when Bert hangs out with his buddies. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, having a beer, having some cigars and, you know, oh, I got him in four rooms now. You know, you can imagine his version of the story. <laughs> Yeah, and it probably, you know, it probably gets bigger each time Eddie tells it, too. Absolutely. He's the perfect fish story. <laughs> and I, you know, there the really isn't, I, I've already said this, there there isn't too much to this scene, but I did uh, check the commentary for this. And, you know, he doesn't talk about it too much, but he does make just a quick mon- mention about this lens flare where you know we we have Leonard talking on the phone and it's a close up of his face and it, it has the you know the very bright light coming from the window behind him and it and it has this nice um this nice flare in front of it and mm. he describes it as uh he likes this this shot because it to him it makes it feel very real, real. 
and it gave the right kind of energy for how these black and white scenes are progressing as we're getting close to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I agree with you there. Yeah, and I, I even had the, the you, you say it makes it feel real, and that I had the documentary feel in my notes. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, he's uh, he definitely mentions the documentary feel in the the black and white scenes. Uh, I, th- I think more than once throughout the uh, the commentary track on the movie, and it it really does. And although as as it progresses, it does start to feel less documentary documentary like, and it more movie like as the the camera starts getting more of the the close ups and starts moving and tracking with Leonard as his as his mental state changes, like, you know, that this scene in particular, it has a lot of cuts and and pans as it follows Leonard around Mm -hmm. where in a lot of the earlier scenes, we get a lot more of the the high angle uh, shots. And I mean, especially earlier on, you know, now we're starting to get into to Leonard's panic as things are starting to sort of unravel for him. But, you know, early on, he's, he's trying to gain our trust. He's trying to make sure that, we through essentially the phone are, you know, taking him on as somebody trustworthy. It's like, well, I know what I'm talking about. Here's this condition. I'm going to explain it to you. So you understand what it's like. You know, he's got this, this ethos that he's building and trying to make sure that we see him as credible. Um, And like Eric said, you know, you, you have edges of Leonard before the incident playing through a lot of these black and white scenes because he's establishing who he is and he's somebody that you should trust ironically enough being an insurance claims check and he's probably somebody you shouldn't trust if you're you know on the <laughs> wrong side of it but this was a guy who has authority this is a guy who was making the decisions um so you know that sort of goes right hand in hand with that documentary feel too and and now it's all just coming apart yeah and then then for the um you know never answer the phone tattoo you know I, I was just i was having my fiance watch this for the first time and and virtually any nolan stuff that she has not seen only i guess parts of the prestige um so i i definitely <laughs> want to probably be the next one she'll she could watch um in full um though but um but when she, yeah as soon as she saw that having her you know make some comments you know at home it's it's, it's definitely a good thing we're not at the theater but um um making some comments at home throughout and having some guesses as to what kind of how it might end up. But um, definitely when she saw that tattoo, it's like, Oh, now, <laughs> now we, <laughs> now, now, now we know that he shouldn't be. And he, he'd realize he's, he shouldn't have been talking on the phone this whole time in these black and white scenes. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that, I mean, some people have a good feel for voices, but you know, it's even harder to get a read on people whenever it's just their voice, and doubly hard if you have Leonard's condition. Uh, but that's that's really the end of my notes. I, I I don't have a whole lot for this scene. Do either of you have anything else uh, for this specific scene? Um, essentially, just kind of that. This is kind of. I feel like it's kind of. It's. I think you were saying earlier a little bit, like kind of like every the shot, at least the shots from a shot perspective, it was kind of a bit more. Um, calm so far in, in him talking on the phone mostly um, up to this point in these black and white scenes but this is I feel like these four segments that you gave me are you know this kind of this gradual ramp up and in, mm-hmm. in, in getting more chaotic things getting just kind of 
kind of more off the wall and, and it's just getting too intense <laughs> almost. Yeah. This is the good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I think that's, that's time to, yeah, cut our discussion short on this scene and we'll have you back next week and the, for the next four weeks to, to talk about, uh, some more of these black and white scenes and, and get to see this progression as it goes on. And, uh, you know, I'd like to thank you, Eric, for joining us. And, uh, for any listeners that haven't ha- heard you or your work, why don't you go ahead and take a minute to let them know where else you can be found online? Uh, yeah, just, uh, like I mentioned that at the top, I, I did Watchmen Minute. That's a completed podcast. Um, probably never to come back. Uh, we, we did it minute, minute by minute for the director's cut. Um, and then we even, uh, just because at the time we got done with that is right about when the HBO series started. Um, so we just moved on to that episode by episode. Um, so that's out there. And then just the two other shows that I'm kind of in the middle-ish of are Almost Famous Minute <laughs> and Feels Like Weezer. And and you can kind of guess what Almost Famous Minute would be. Um, mm-hmm. Feels Like Weezer is just the kind of cousin to the format with uh, Song by Song of uh, the band Weezers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And thank you, as always, Lisa, for joining me as my co-host for these black and white segments. Oh, I love it. Always happy to join you. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat, and you can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on anywhere you, that you listen to podcasts. We also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, and you can join that to discuss episodes as they come out, as well as have any sort of discussions about time loop movies or TV shows in general. And uh, until next time, I uh, assume I've already told you about Memento. Oh, only every time I see you. Front desk? Bert, right. This is Mr. Shelby in room 21. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't want any calls. No, none at all. <laughs>